instructed us to talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Father, we thank you today for the, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit that's in this place. Father, you said the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. We thank you for the Word of God and the Spirit of God that are here in this place to lift us up to a better place, to put our foot upon a rock and establish our goings. And today, Lord, we give you praise and honor in this place. Speak to us. Reveal yourself to us. Move up and down these aisles here today, Father. Minister to us in Jesus' name. And all that agreed said, Amen. Amen. Well, there are CDs available from the last couple of weeks. Uh, and I, if you weren't here, I'd encourage you to pick those up. You'll see the title on that, ta- on that back shelf back there, right behind Sister Pat. She's the guardian of that table back there. <laughs> She'll make sure that you get one. Amen. I'm used to you sitting over here. What happened here? You moved. Amen. But we're talking about uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And here's what we've brought up thus far in just, just a quick review. We found out over the last two sessions that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an influence. He's not a cloud. He's not fire. He's in the fire. He's in the cloud, but He's not the cloud and the fire. He's a person. He's a divine person. And you can have a relationship with Him. Secondly, we found out it's the very same Spirit that dwelt in Jesus. The same Spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in us. And so it's not a, the Holy Spirit doesn't have twins. Amen. There's not two Holy Spirits. There's only one Holy Spirit. And He lives in, if you're a believer, He happens to live on the inside of you. He is a person. Praise God. Just like a a baby that hasn't been born yet is inside of a mother. Okay? Everywhere that mother goes, the baby goes. Amen? And the Bible says that we are in Christ. We're in Him. And in Him we live and we move and we have our being. Praise God. We also found out that the Holy Spirit doesn't speak on His own initiative. The Bible says, whatever He hears, that shall He speak, and He shall show you things to come. Now the Holy Spirit, when He talks to you, He is not talking to you on His own initiative or His own will. Yes, He does talk to you, but He hears from the Father and from Jesus, and then He transmits to you what they are saying. Isn't that wonderful? So you don't have the Holy Ghost over here doing His own thing, Jesus over here doing it. They're in unison. Okay? And so He, he doesn't speak, but He, on His own initiative. Then that, and the next thing we saw that the Holy Ghost, one of His jobs is, He is to teach us all things. Jesus said He will teach you all things. Do you think the Lord knows about mathematics? Do you think He knows about automobiles and mechanics? He doesn't know just spiritual things. He knows everything. And the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. Now that's present. Okay? He will teach you all things. He's your teacher. And then we saw that the Holy Spirit will bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I've said unto you. Now that has to do with past things, right? So the Holy Spirit will teach you. That's present. He will bring things to your remembrance. That's past. And the next thing is He will show you things to come. In other words, He can show you things about the future now let me, let me say that by preface it by saying this. The Lord doesn't show you everything about your future because then you wouldn't have to walk by faith. You'd walk by sight. But there are certain things that He will show you about the future to help you, to prepare you. Amen? These are just some of the things. And then, uh, and then what we talked about last week in detail is that 
the Holy Spirit, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as the Comforter. Say Comforter. comforter. You know, we, we understand in our modern language, a Comforter is like a big blanket. Okay? We're not talking about a blanket here. We're talking about a person that speaks, that brings comfort to you. Now, we said this, that when Jesus was on the earth, you know, while he was on the earth, the disciples, if they wanted comfort, they went to him. Why? Because the comforter lived inside of him. So if they needed consolation, they needed, and they needed a lot of consolation, didn't they? Boy, they had some rough spots, didn't they? I mean, if you're the son of God and his staff, you know the enemy's going to put a target on their backs. You know what I'm saying? They needed some comfort. So they would go to Jesus and he would speak the right words to them. Why? Because the comforter was living inside of him. And then Jesus went on to say to his disciples, and they didn't understand it. Remember he said this, he said, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You can't understand them now. He says, but it's to your advantage that I go away. He goes, I've told you about me leaving. And he goes, sorrow has filled your hearts. However, I'm telling you the truth. He said, it's expedient, advantageous for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, then the same comforter that lives in me cannot come and live among you. But if I leave, I'll send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. Say, say this after me. Say, there is a person, is a person. called the Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit that lives in me. Lives in me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a person that lives on the inside of you. Amen. And, uh, you know, if he lives in you, it's not hard to be led by him. Okay. It's not difficult. There's a person, the spirit of God that lives on the inside of you. Just like you have a spirit inside your body. You know, when you look up here and you see, we see each other's, we see each other's physical bodies, right? And that's, we just see the body. But we don't see the spirit. We just see the house that we actually live in. <laughs> Amen? And you know, there's different color windows, your eyes. Different color roof, your hair. But that's your body. That's your physical body. But the real you is a spirit man. The real you is a spirit. And when you became a child of God, the Holy Ghost moved inside of you. You didn't just get forgiveness of sins. That's, that's important. You did get forgiveness. God wiped out your past, wiped out all your sins. Glory to God as far as the east is from the west. He's removed your transgressions. But then he says, I'm going to live. Jesus said, if any man will love me, he says, we will come and make our abode. In other words, our living quarters on the inside of you. Amen. Now, we know that in the Old Testament, for example, there was a temple. Okay? There was a physical tabernacle. You're all familiar with that, aren't you? You ever see Raiders of the Lost Ark, that movie? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, they're basing it on the Bible, you know what I'm saying? A little bit out of context the way they have, they have it, you know. <laughs> I don't like the way they made the Holy Ghost look, you know. He came out and, jeez, came out of that box, you know, they did something wrong, dear God. You know, I wouldn't, I'd get nightmares if I saw that too. But see, in the Old Testament, the Lord Literally, in his presence, was shut up in a physical box. You've heard the saying, you can't keep God in a box. That's true. Okay? Now, he always wanted to live inside and among his people. But because of sin and transgression in the Old Testament, there had to be a sacrifice first. You see, nobody, it's like Jesus said, you can't put new wine into old wine skins or it'll burst. 
Now, you can't put the Holy Ghost inside of someone that's not born again. They'll explode. You understand? And we're going to talk about this today. There's two workings of the Holy Spirit. There's a spirit within. There's a spirit upon. Spirit within, spirit upon. Under the Old Testament that we know of, the only people, there was nobody that was born again. They were only servants of God. The Holy Spirit would come upon three individuals, the prophet, the priest, and the king in the Old Testament. He would come upon them, wasn't in them, and he would, he would reveal the Lord to the people, you know, and so forth. And if the common lay person, as you said, did not have the Holy Spirit, they had to go to a prophet, a priest, or a king. So that really put them at a disadvantage, didn't it? But under the New Testament, under the old, New Covenant, which we are right now, that the Holy Spirit doesn't, He's not just in a certain person. He comes to live and dwell and abide on the inside of us. And if any man be joined to the Lord, he is one spirit with the Lord. How many of you remember that, I don't hate to use the word feeling because that's not appropriate, but the sensation, if you will, that's still not appropriate. But the awareness, when you became a Christian, do you remember the, the awareness? Do you remember that? You're like, whoa, what, what was that? And I remember as a 16-year-old teenager in 1976 when somebody shared the gospel with me at Jamonville, a Methodist youth camp. My, I went from darkness to light. Now, I had no idea what just happened to me. I just knew I felt like a major weight had lifted off of me. That's the only way I could describe it. Now, I didn't, I didn't understand it. But the guy with me that led me to the Lord, he understood it. And he started to describe to me what happened to me. And I was like... My head was swimming. But I knew something happened. I knew I didn't get religion. Because I knew what religion was. It was dead and horrible. I grew up in a dead Methodist church. <laughs> Amen. Now I ended up getting saved through another Methodist church youth camp. that was They were born again from Gastonville, Pennsylvania. Okay. And uh, anyway, to make a long story short, I knew something happened to me radically on the inside of me. But I really couldn't explain it. Not until a few years later when I started to get into a church where they had taught the Bible, the Word of God. See, the church I grew up in, they, it was so, the guy, the pastor there, if you want to call him that, it was a profession to him. He ended up leaving the ministry and going, going into the accounting business, which was probably a smart move because he just did not, you don't choose the ministry as a profession. You know, like, well, I look through this book, I went, just like career day at high school. Remember that? Here comes the military. They're all, they're all wanting you. You know? They get different colleges coming in. You know, try our college, you know? And I remember those days, you know? You don't just choose the ministry like a profession. You have to be called to it. Okay? And this guy would read from Reader's Digest and read stories. I mean, people would be falling asleep. And I can, I can understand. I was too. That was the longest hour I can, that I ever endured. I remember it was like, you know what I'm saying? The difference is when you have the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, He is the life of the party. Amen? The Bible says that the kingdom of God, in Romans 14, the kingdom of God is not what you eat or what you drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy in the what? The Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, you can't find a sad Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen? He's happy. Because he knows the end result. Now, I've noticed this about the Lord, the Holy Spirit. He's your teacher. He's your leader. He's your guide. He will never talk you into depression. 
Now, people will do that. Circumstances will certainly do that. But the Lord's very positive. He's very happy. And He will lift you up out of the miry clay. He will not leave you in that position that you're in. Now, the Holy Spirit, like I said, He is a person. And He wants to speak. He's a comforter. So He has a voice. And He wants to speak to you. He wants to console you. He wants to comfort you. But many times, we're thinking that the Holy Spirit's going to blow into the room like a guy in a red suit and a red hat. And you're like, there's the Holy Ghost right there. You know, like spectacular. But let me tell you something. The Spirit of God is so sweet and so gentle. And He will communicate with you. But sometimes, and I've done this myself, we shut off what He's trying to say to us. For example, the Bible says in many places, in Hebrews and so forth, He said, today... If you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. Amen? You say, well, Pastor, I never heard the voice of God. Am I supposed to hear thunder from heaven? I'm talking about the inward witness, the main way that God leads all. We'll get, we'll get into this. But the primary way that God leads all of His children is by the inward witness. Just like you know that you're saved. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit of God beareth witness with our spirits that we are the sons of God. Right? Say bear witness. So do you know you're a child of God because an angel appeared to you and said you are now a child of God? No. Do you know you're a child of God if Jesus appeared and said you are now a son of God? No. You know primarily that you're a child of God because your spirit bears witness I'm right with God. Do you, does everybody understand that? Okay. You don't have to have some spectacular thing happen to realize I'm now a child of God. I knew that I, my spirit, that's what I was talking about. When I received Christ as a 16-year-old teenager, all of a sudden, now I know what it was, even though I couldn't explain it, my spirit bore witness like, oh, finally, I've arrived. <laughs> I met I'm the thing I was thirsting for. I finally quenched my thirst. Amen? That's the only thing that can quench people's thirst is, the, is, is God on the inside of us. But there's a lot of people that try to fill that void with other things. When I was first saved, somebody gave me a tract, a gospel tract. You know, I don't know. There was a lot of those around today. But, you know, they had a lot of funny ones. There were pictures on the front. You know, and they had a guy that had a big hole in his stomach. And they had a little fly. It was, it was like a cartoon. It said a, a fly was flying in and out of his, that hole in his stomach. And the title was, What Can Fill the Void? <laughs> that got my attention, you know. And I was already saved. But, you know, I, I, got a, I bought a bunch of those things. And, I, and it talked about people, this is the only thing, Jesus Christ is the only thing that can fill this void in your life. All the money in the world is not going to fill that void. All the relationships in this world is not going to fill that void. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything else lends to utter frustration. Amen. There's nothing wrong with things, but things cannot satisfy the void in a person's heart. Are you with me? And so, uh, the Holy Spirit is a, a comforter and He wants to speak to us. Amen. Now, every one of you here that's a born-again Christian in this, in this room, born-again, same thing, child of God, same thing. There, there are times where the Lord, including myself, where the Lord was trying to say something to us, but we were expecting more of a spectacular thing to happen. Right? Something more spectacular. Sparks flying. Fireworks. You know what I mean? But the Bible says that there came in Elijah's day, there came an earthquake. 
But the Bible says the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. There came a strong wind, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And then it says, and after that, a still small voice. And primarily, I'd say primarily, now if you have have access to Brother Hagin's book, Kenneth E. Hagin's book called How to Be Led by the Spirit of God, that's the first book I ever got a hold of. My wife, my wife as well. The first book had a his white had a big dove on the front. How to be led by the Holy Spirit. How many of you ever read that book before? Or saw that book? It's priceless. It changed my life. Oh, I'm telling you, so many things that I was able to avoid. You know, as a young Christian, to to be led by the Holy Spirit, not be led by my head, but to be led by the Holy Spirit. Now he's like I said, he's a person. He wants to communicate to you at any age. He will speak to you. Now there's a, the primary way is the inward witness. That's what the Lord told when the Lord appeared to Brother Hagin. He says the primary way that I'll lead all my children is by the inward witness. Secondly, the inward voice. That's more authoritative, the Holy Ghost where He can speak. That's not as common. Okay? It's the primary way. 99.9% of the time God will lead you. Now He can lead through a vision. He can lead through a dream. But that's the exception. That's not the norm. Okay? Uh, sometimes you hear people that give the impression that an angel appears to them every morning at breakfast and they tell them what to do for the day. That is not true. Okay? They've eaten too many frosted flakes, if you know what I'm saying. No, don't get me wrong. God can and will at times. But generally speaking, if the Lord sends an angel to you, it's usually because rough sailing is ahead. If there's something, if God moves in a spectacular way to, to, to communicate to you, it means you're going to have to endure some hard things. When Paul was on ship, remember that? He was taken captive and he was going to Rome. He was a prisoner for the gospel's sake. Remember that? And the Bible says that when they set out in the book of Acts, they're about to set out and go to Rome and they had him as a prisoner. The weather, it was like, like this. The sun was out, beautiful. The waves looked beautiful. It was one of these gorgeous days probably seagulls flying around, you know. And, uh, and Paul made this statement. I find this fascinating. Now, he's a prisoner. They've got him bound up. You know, they're putting him on the ship. They're taking him to Rome, okay. And he told, he spoke up and he told the leader, the, 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 the captain of the ship, he said, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with much damage and hurt, not only for the lading or the cargo of the ship, but our very lives as well. That's what he said. He said, I perceive. Say, I perceive. I perceive. And we're witness. And we're witness. He didn't say, I had a vision. He said, I, had a, I perceived. He said, sirs, I perceive. I perceive. You perceive. I perceive. He says, I perceive that this, this trip here is not going to turn out too good. Now, this is back before they had satellite and the weather channel and all this kind of stuff. You understand that? You know what I mean? Got people out there on the shore blowing around with their microphones. Tree limbs almost tightening their heads off. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You ever watched the Weather Channel before? All right. This is back before they had all this kind of imagery and and so forth. But when Paul said that to the captain of the ship, the captain of the ship just said, Ah, who do you think you are? He counted what Paul said as worthless. That's what it says. Basically what he said, it was worthless. But what happened? They got out there. They, they set loose and they lit from where they were and they're, they're out there on that sea. 
And all of a sudden, here comes this storm. And I mean, you talk about a hurricane. They got, they got caught in the midst. They even had names back then for hurricanes. There was Eurocaline or something like that. There was a name for it, you know. Yeah. And he actually got, they got, he got caught up in that storm. And it, it, it just kept, it, he, 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 this, the, the cycle of that storm, he was caught in that. And he couldn't get out of that. Okay. Now, you remember what's, what happened is, man, they didn't eat for days. I mean, they're, they're on a force fast here, you know. And they started throwing the cargo of the ship over to lighten the ship, you know. And, and I mean, it's, it's looking bad. And Paul told the captain of the ship, he says, I told you, you should have listened to me. Because <laughs> he thought he was an idiot. He thought he was foolish. Who do you think you are? Amen. But, but you know what's interesting? Paul started out as the prisoner on that ship. He became the captain of that ship. Just like Joseph. When they sent Joseph down into prison and was uh, betrayed of his brothers, remember that? He was in prison, but he became the second man in charge in Egypt. Praise the Lord. You can start out on the bottom and God can raise you up. Amen. And so, uh, where am I going with this? Well, Paul said, you, you should have listened to me, you know. He's probably thinking, yeah, I should have listened well, it got so bad, they were about to lose their lives. And the Bible says that at midnight, an angel appeared to Paul on, on the ship. You know what the angel said to him? Be of good cheer. <laughs> what happened here? I told you that the God is positive. The angel is positive. You're on a, what do you mean? You're on this ship. A hurricane is beating that ship. You're about to drown you're about to lose your life. And here comes an angel says, be of good cheer. You could be in the worst situation of your life. You just received the worst news you can possibly get. And the Lord comes and says, be happy. Cheer up. Is there anybody else out there? People say, no, that's the Holy Ghost. He will keep you positive. He will keep you on track. Because he already knows what's up ahead. Now the angel that appeared to Paul that night, he says, be of good cheer. He said, uh, he says, no man's life shall be lost if he stays on the boat. That's the key right there. Don't jump ship. Stay on the boat. There's another message in that. Amen. Don't jump ship. Stay on the boat. Praise the Lord. Big storm. And uh, he said, the Lord said, there'll be loss of the ship. He said, but every man's life will be saved if they stay on board. Now, they did lose the ship. Remember that? Now, I have, it's really interesting. I have a, a video. And uh, they dropped, they got rid of the cargo and everything. And they dropped on three anchors. Three anchors. They tried to lighten the ship up to bring it in. Remember that? And then they drove into it like a sand, what do they call that? Uh, yeah, like a sandbar, you know, and it got stuck and the waves were beating that thing, you know. And, uh, and, there's a guy named Robert Cornuke. I don't know if you've ever heard of him before. He's an archaeologist. He was a, uh, a uh, detective in L.A., and the Lord dealt with him about going into biblical archaeology. And, and he, he followed the maps through the Bible and found out where this ship was. He went over there and found, found the three, uh, there's only three there, the three um, anchors that dated back to the times of uh, the Romans back in those days. He found those things, Okay. And uh, so, to make a long story short, what Paul perceived was the truth. 
Now, from the natural, it didn't look like anything was wrong. It looked like a perfectly clear day. But the Holy Spirit knew something. The Holy Spirit knew something. Now, go to John chapter 4. And uh, let's pick up in verse 3 here. All right, we're going to kind of take this, these verses apart here. We're going to talk about this. Now, the Holy Spirit in the Bible, we're talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is symbolic of water. You read throughout the Bible that water is always symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, here we see in John 4, talking about the woman at the well, it said in, in verse 3, it says, And he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, for he must needs go through Samaria. So, in other words, he was feeling led to go to Samaria. Now, remember, Jesus Christ was the only person ever on the earth that had the Holy Ghost in him at this point. Okay? So he felt compelled to go to, you know, and he, verse 5 it says, And he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now jo Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, thus sat on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Now notice the phrase, Give me to drink. Now here's a Samaritan. These are half Jews, and the Jews didn't have any dealings with the Samaritans. They were, they were separated. Okay, And verse 8 says, And the disciples were gone away into the city to buy food. Verse 9, Then cometh, then saith the woman to the, uh, of Samaria unto him, unto Jesus, How is it that you being a Jew ask a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Well, the reason is Jesus felt led to do this. Sometimes you feel led to go a place and you don't even know why you're there. The Spirit of God could say, go to the mall right now. That doesn't mean you're supposed to shop. <laughs> Amen? Especially ladies. Just kidding. I'm just hypothetical. Okay? Sometimes you, God's putting you in a position to be in a certain place at a certain time because He's going to cross paths with you with someone that's looking for what you need. I mean someone that's hungry. Okay? I know a little bit about this because I've proven this out through the years. Uh, well, there's, when someone is thirsty and somebody is hungry, God will do everything He can to get someone, a Christian, across their path in order to minister to them. Remember the Ethiopian eunuch in the Bible? Here's Philip having a, a citywide evangelistic crusade. And the Spirit of God speaks to him and pulls him into the desert to minister to one person, an Ethiopian eunuch. Remember that? He was sitting on his chariot reading the book of Isaiah. He, he was clueless. He didn't understand what Isaiah, who he was talking about. Remember that? And it just almost doesn't make sense because you hear you got Philip preaching to thousands of people, miracles, signs, and wonders. And now the Lord says, now go here. Well, he just did. He went over into the desert there. And he said, when he, when he was in the desert, that's all he had was just go to the desert. He's over there in the desert, and this, he saw this guy in a chariot, and the Spirit of God said, go join yourself to him. Remember that? In other words, go over to this guy. And he's over there reading the book of Isaiah. 
And he says, hey, what's up? I'm paraphrasing. And so you remember, he didn't understand who he was reading about, but Philip preached Christ unto him, and he got born again and water baptized right there. Remember that? Praise God. So the Holy Spirit can lead you, guide you, direct you. Sometimes you don't even know why you're doing certain things, but He's setting you up to come across the path of someone that needs Jesus. In 1980, I had, this is before I, I met my wife, and, uh, and the rest is history, <laughs> 36 years later. And uh, I was with a friend of mine, and his wife and another friend of mine that I had the privilege of leading to the Lord when I was in high school. Okay. And we were just, just young in the Lord, but really just had a, such a love for God. And we would meet every single Friday night. We would meet in my friend's house with him and his wife. And we would have like almost like a little mini church service there in his house. This is a Bible study outside of the church. Okay. And so we're fellowshipping. We'd pray and stuff like that, you know. And, and, but this one week... My friend, his name was Pete, he said, he said, Keith, he goes, I can't do it Friday night, so let's just do it Saturday. You know, this is in the month of May, 1980, all right? And, um, and I said, well, sure, we'll do that. So we came together. We normally meet Friday night. So we're, we're in his house, and we felt led to pray. We started to pray that God would send us across the path of someone that was hungry for God. And I remember, we're standing there in a circle, Okay? You'll see the rerun in heaven. You'll see what I'm talking about. We're standing there praying. And we're just, you know, Father, send us across. We're, that's the essence of our prayer. Send us across the path. Someone that's hungry, someone that's near death, someone that needs you, Jesus, you know, that's, that's hungry and receptive. Now, this is a beautiful May sunny day, and the windows were open. He didn't have air conditioning in the house, and it was a big old farmhouse that used to be there. And we heard, all, while we're praying, while we're praying, we heard this commotion in the front yard. Somebody was obviously lifting their voice they were upset about something so uh, it interrupted our prayer time right there we're thinking okay my friend his house he goes let me take care of this let me see what's going on so he goes outside there starts talking to this woman she's in hysterics this woman is in hysterics crying wailing we're thinking did she just lose her best friend what is the deal with this you know so by that time, we're looking out the window, you know, kind of eavesdropping, what's going on here, you know? And so we, we decided to come out on the big, that a big old country wooden porch. We walked out there, you know, and come to find out that this woman lived three doors down from my friend, okay? Uh, I don't know that he ever met her before. I, I don't think he did based on the conversation. Now, she had, a, she had birds. That were her pet. She had birds. She had parakeets, Okay. And uh, I never understood people that had pet snakes. Oh, that's, go figure, you know. But she had a parakeet, and that parakeet somehow got loose and got out of the front door. You know, big, beautiful, yellow and green, beautiful bird. You could see it. And for some reason, that bird chose the top branch on that maple tree. And he's up there singing up way, you know. Thank God, free at last, free at last. Thank God I'm free at last now. <laughs> he's up there singing and singing, you know, and, you know, it's just amazing. He's probably never, he's never had that experience before. He's on the top branch of this tree. So my friend, we're standing there. Now, we've already forgotten about the prayer and all that kind of stuff. He goes, I'll tell you what, let me, let me try to 
Let me try to get up there and see what I can do. So after 15, 20 minutes, he gets up and climbs the tree up to the very top very softly. And he was able to get that little bird in his hand. <laughs> Isn't that a town in Pennsylvania? Bird in hand or something like that? He gets, they should have called it right there. But he gets, he gets the parakeet. I think it was a parakeet. It was a real, real bright, beautiful bird. And brings that bird down. God is my witness. He brings it down and gives it to her. You would have thought you handed her a check for a million dollars. She was beside herself with gratitude and thanksgiving. And then we realized, okay, she just lives a couple of doors down. I think three doors down. And so, uh, you know, she thanks him and everything. She goes back to the house. We walk into the, we go back into there to pick up where we left off. And then all of a sudden it hit us all at the same time. We're like, duh, we just prayed. So we decided, you know what? Let's seize the opportunity. A couple of minutes later, we marched down to her door, knock on the door. And of course, she was very happy to see us. She would have done anything for us at, for, at that point. Really, my friend, you know. So we walk into the house, make a long story real short. We begin to say, ma'am, we wanted to share something with you. And we, uh, we started t- telling her about the Lord Jesus and how he died for her, how he loved her. Just a real simple form of, of the gospel message that Jesus loves her, died for her, you know. Now here's the thing. The night before this happened, she was so miserably depressed. She had gone through a nasty divorce and thought about ending her life. She felt like nobody loved, she started, you know, just like the woman with the issue of blood, she told them all, remember that, Jesus? And she just went on and on about her, it was heart-wrenching to hear this. And she goes, I'm telling you, she goes, either the, the night before, or the two nights before that, she took a whole bottle of pills, trying to kill her, to end her life. And she goes, to my utter amazement, I woke up the next morning and I was totally fine. And I said, we said to her, God has you here for a reason. We were able to lead her to the Lord right there on the spot. It was the easy, it was like putting a knife through warm butter. It was that easy. It was so easy. Now the Lord knows who's open, who's hungry, who's thirsty. And I would venture to say... This is one prayer that you will find answered just like that. You pray, Father, I'm about to go into this week. Lead me, guide me, direct me across the path of someone that's open, that's hungry, you know. Because I used to do, you know, we used to do the thing where you'd beat the door down and witness to people. And that didn't end up too good most of the time. But I found this, if you're led by the Spirit, who to talk to, who not to talk to, and you practice that, it's amazing how many hungry people are out there. Amen? I mean, it's all through the book of Acts. Remember that? Paul went down to that city and there were people down by the river, you know, and so forth, and they were hungry. I mean, God knows where the hungry people are. Now, here's Jesus here in in, uh, wrapping this up here today. He felt led to go to this this place here. And and so he said, uh, where where will we leave off here? Verse 10, it says, And Jesus answered and yeah, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me a drink, thou wouldest have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, 
For the well is deep, and from whence hast thou this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well? Now she's thinking naturally, okay? She's thinking natural water, okay? And uh, he said they, uh, they fed their, their children, their cattle, verse 13. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoever drinks of this water, this physical water, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Notice that. Now here's what I want to get to. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. Say well of water. Okay, here's the first work of the Holy Spirit. When a person's born again, you receive the well of water. A well of water is for you, personally. Okay? I don't know if we'll have time, we probably won't today, but the second working of the Holy Spirit is the rivers of water found in John chapter 7, where Jesus said, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of of living water. Now you got a well, rivers. They're both water, but they do two different things. A river is for the entire community. The well is for you and your family. The well of salvation. They're both important. Okay? So, uh, Jesus goes on to say here, verse 14, Whoever drinks of this water shall that I give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Verse 15. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water. So she asked for it, right? Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Alright, so here's what I want you to see. Jeez, she he presented it to her said, this, this is natural water. You're going to thirst again. You know, when you drink water, you'll go, you can get full, but you'll have to go back the next day and drink it again. We know that, what that's all about. Um, but he said, here's this thing, spiritual water that you'll never thirst again. She says, I want that. Okay? Now, you have to be careful what you ask sometimes because look at the next verse. The woman said, or verse 16, Jesus said unto her, and this is the word of knowledge. He said unto her, go call thy husband and come hither. Now what is a word of knowledge? A gift, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit where the Lord reveals something for the purpose of helping this person. And the woman answered and said in verse 17, I have no husband. Jesus said, you have said well. I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the man that you're with not right now is not your husband in that saidest thou truly. And the woman, verse 19, woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> because now she asked for living water. She says, I want this. And when she opened up the door, the Lord began to meet her supernaturally. Okay? She says, verse 19, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So she had five failed marriages, five failed marriages. Sounds like Hollywood. Was she, was she in one of the movies? I don't know. Okay. She's hurting. And now she's with this, this guy. That's, she's just living with this guy. They're not married. They're just living with each other. And Jesus perceived that. Because now she's thinking, man, I've already failed five times. I don't even want to try it again. Amen. 
Do you know a lot of people live with each other based on fear and it's not faith at all because they're, they're afraid? Just, just a side thought. Are you with me now? But she said, I perceive that you are a prophet. Verse 20, and the fathers, our fathers worshiped in this mountain and you say that in Jerusalem is the place that men ought to worship. Jesus said, woman, believe me, the hour cometh and now is that neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. And you worship what you know not what, but we worship for salvation is of the Jews. 23 says, the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now notice, the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that the Messiah, when the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ, he, when He is come, He will tell us all things. She had heard about Him. And Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am He. In other words, look no further. <laughs> she probably had one of those about faces like, right? Rightfully so. Now look at 27, and so we'll wrap this up here. It says, And upon this came his disciples, and they marveled that he was talking with a woman, yet had uh, no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou to her? And the woman left the water pot and went unto her city, and saith unto the men, Come and see the man which told me all things and that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Praise God. Praise the Lord. Well, she got rivers. I mean, she got the well of salvation. Amen. And she started publicizing and said, come and see the man that told... Now, he didn't tell her everything about her life. It was just that one area. Okay? But see, that, that word of knowledge got her attention. Now, listen. Let me just say this. The word of knowledge is never intended to embarrass people or to hurt people. Now, people can... Ministers can sometimes abuse the gifts of the Spirit for advantage and so forth and hurt people. But let me tell you something. The true manifestation of the Spirit is never, ever. Now people can say, thus saith the Lord. But if it's hurting people, that's not the Holy Ghost. That's not the Holy Spirit. You can say, thus saith the Lord. The Lord's standing there saying, I didn't say that. You said that. I didn't say that. <laughs> but the Bible says that the true gift of prophecy in 1 Corinthians 14, the true gift of prophecy is to speak unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Those three elements will always be when it comes to prophecy or, in other words, inspired utterance. Tongues and interpretation of tongues is equal to prophecy. Okay, it's supernatural. They're all gifts of the Spirit. And they, they're, they're for the church. They're for you. You can, you can prophesy to yourself. How many of you know that? Glory to God. I can't tell you how many times I've been in situations where I, I felt, man, I just... You ever been there before? And I'll start yielding myself to the Holy Spirit. I'll start praying in tongues. Praying in the Spirit. That's in the Bible, isn't it? And I start praying in the Spirit, and all of a sudden, sometimes I'll have an interpretation of what I just said. For myself. And I think, Wow. There is a Holy Spirit, and He wants to speak to me, and He wants to speak to you. But folks, listen, He never comes with bad news. 
He comes to build you up. Even if you screwed up majorly, even if you think you failed miserably, not in God's eyes because it's not over yet. It's not finished yet. You still have breath in your lungs. Do you? Then there's still hope. Don't ever give up on other people. Don't ever give up on yourself because the Lord does not give up on you. He doesn't quit. It's not too late with Him. Now people will say it's too late. Man will say it's over. But the Lord will stick with you. He'll stick with you. I have found, in my experience, in 30 plus years of walking with the Lord since 1976, I have found that God's voice is ultra positive. He is very, very, very positive. Now even when you mess up, even on your worst day, when you think you've really screwed up, sometimes we all do that. He's not there to knock you over the head. He's not there to condemn you. He'll lift you up and say, come on, sweetheart, we can do this now. Don't quit. Don't give up. What's that scripture in Micah? It says, when I fall, I shall arise. That's the kind of attitude that we need to have. When we mess up, get right back up. Just get right back up. Proverbs says that a righteous man will fall seven times. We will get right back up. So just don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give up on yourself. Have you ever felt tempted to give up on yourself before? Feel like you failed miserably? Start condemning yourself? Has anybody ever here ever done that before besides myself? Okay, we know what that's like. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for those rivers of water. And next week, we're going to get into the Oh, I can't wait to get into this about the rivers, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They're both water. A well is a well is water. Rivers are water, but they have two different purposes. Two different purposes. And I'm going to teach you by the grace of God next week. We're going to get into the how to flow with the rivers. Amen. You'll see in the Old Testament, for example, and uh, I believe it's in Isaiah, I think, where the prophet had a, had a vision. And, uh, and he saw that he was in the temple, and he said the, there's water that came into the temple. That's from the Gihon Spring, you know, which, which fed the, uh, um, the temple. It had the temple, the real true temple back in those days, had to have living water running living water because of the sacrifices and everything and the priestly thing that they had to, just the purification that they had to keep under the Levitical law, you know. And he said, I had a vision. He said, the water came in and I saw that it was ankle deep. And he said, I had another dream. And he said, it came in and it was knee deep. And he said, then I had another dream and it, he said, the water was, was waist deep. Then I had another dream or vision and the water was over my head, waters to swim in. Isn't that something? And this is symbolic of the Holy Ghost is like water. You can get in ankle. There's been songs written about that. You know what I mean? Len Mink wrote a song, Jump Into the River. Amen? That's what that, that doesn't mean go off the Allegheny Bridge and jump in the McKees Rocks Bridge or whatever. <laughs> That's not what he's saying. <laughs> he's saying there's a river of God. And he said, it can come in, it can be ankle deep, it can be knee deep, it can become waist deep, or it can be waters to swim in over your head. 
And this is like the, this is how God moves. God can come in ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, you know, and we all experience those things, different depths of God. But let me tell you something. God wants us to get to the place where we're so free where the water is carrying us. Amen? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Because when you're in ankle deep water, you have control. Knee deep water, you have control. To a certain, certain extent, waist deep water, you still have control. You ever go to the ocean? You know what I'm talking about. But when water's over your head, basically that water controls where you go. Unless you know how to be a good swimmer. Okay? So my point being is this. The, the God wants to take us this year into the deeper waters of God. Now, I'm not talking about getting weird and flaky and all that stuff. I'm talking about the true rivers of God where, where you start to get into that river. And I believe that's one of the jobs that, that God has, has instructed me to, as a pastor to teach and instruct. And it, it takes time to do these things. It, you can't just get there overnight like that. It takes line upon line, precept upon precept, you know, keep coming and hearing the Word of God so that we can start to go into these, these areas. Amen? I remember in my life when I was ankle deep in the water of God. It was exciting. You've got to start somewhere. Okay? One of the most fearful things that I ever faced <laughs> was when I graduated from Bible school, I thought, what would happen if I'm in a church service and someone has a tongue, but I don't have the interpretation? Now, I don't know if you've ever thought that way before, but I sure have. I thought, man... This could look really bad. Okay? Now, Lynn and I, we came up under a ministry of, of uh, um, well, Brother Hagen, you know, and then Buddy and Pat Harrison. That was uh, Brother Hagen's daughter and son-in-law. Okay? And they were used, they were used mightily by uh, tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy and minister. And, oh, it was so powerful. Oh, man, you would go into those services. It would just just sweep you off your feet almost. It was so powerful and so edifying. So, remember that one? Oh, and I thought, I thought, I would love to be able to eventually minister like that to people to help them. You know, that, that seemed like, um, like, that almost seemed like as unrealistic about going to the moon. Like I was going to be the next astronaut to the moon. That's how far advanced that seemed to me. You know what I'm saying? That's where I was at the time. But I remember in our ordination service, when I was, we were ordained in Fort Hood, Colleen, Texas, in the church that we were in, and they came down there and, and laid hands on us at our ordination. That was Buddy and Pat Harrison, and then it was uh, Larry and Judy Huggins. That was their associates. They flowed in that vein like that, supernatural. And they got that anointing from Brother Hagen and from sister, uh, Brother and Sister Goodwin, if you ever heard of them before. These are mighty people of God that were used back in those days. And... Uh, well, they, they got that anointing from them. And when they ordained us and laid hands upon us, this is in 1984, they laid hands upon us. And they, they remember the essence. I still have it on tape, actually. This is before CDs on tape. And they laid hands on us. They prophesied over us. Whew. Oh, man. It was like the wind of heaven. It was like standing behind a jet plane with the air. just But it was heavenly air. just whew. And... Um, but I noticed 
I noticed from that point forward, something was supernaturally deposited on the inside of us. So we fast forward another year or two. We came back, started our first church back in 1986 over in the South Hills. And um, so we started to minister the Word of God like we're doing here. And we had just stepped into this the very first time. And I remember my wife, she came up. She goes, I have a word. And it it was a tongue. And it was like a freight train. I mean, the supernatural power of God. She just released this tongue. And I thought, oh God, I hope I have the interpretation. There's that fear coming back. You know what I mean? But here's the thing. As she was as she was speaking in tongues, okay, this is in front of the little church that we had back then, all of a sudden, I started getting thoughts in my mind about what she was saying. And it was supernatural. It wasn't spectacular, but it was supernatural. I knew in the spirit, it wasn't a translation of tongues. It was an interpretation of tongues. There's a difference. She was saying something out in tongues, and every once in a while an English word would pop in there, you know. And to this day, that's the way God uses her. It's powerful, you know. And all of a sudden, it was so, the easiest thing for me to do is to step in and interpret what she just said. Now, if I tried to mentally reason that out, I would have gave up. Amen? Remember that, sweetie? And oh, I mean to tell you, it was like a river of water flowing out of her. I mean, it was not just shunda, shunda, hunda, hunda. It was, it was, whew. but here came the interpretation. Boom, and it just, it flowed out. And the people that were there were so blessed. Now, there are times that we would have that, you know, for the whole body, the corporate body together. But then once in a while, it'd be an individual type thing, you know, where someone needed a tongue interpretation to minister to them. And that would happen as well. So I started to see that there's a, when you start, Getting into the things of God, you start stepping by faith. You start, it's ankle deep. You get in there and you test the waters and you, the Lord will keep working with you. He'll keep working with you. You can begin to prophesy in your own prayer closet, in your own home, to yourself. Okay? And, uh, and it always, it'll always bring encouragement. Now, if it's a little rough around the edges, don't worry about that. Okay? He'll, he'll still, can you understand my heart? He'll continue to work with you. These are the rivers that God wants us to, 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 to learn to jump into and walk with Him and talk with Him. And He talks with us and we get that, that communication back and forth. Amen? Praise God. On, the, on, the, uh, on winds of adversity that come your way, How do you want me to say that, Lord? When Jesus was on the ship, there was wind and waves beating against that ship. Remember that? That storm came. Remember that? But Jesus stood up in the midst of that storm and he said, Peace be still. He prophesied to the wind and the waves. And there was a great calm. Amen? And when you face the winds of adversity in your life, whatever they are, it could be physical, it could be spiritual, it could be financial, it could be relational, it could be anything, any type of storm. And sometimes, more often than not, it comes through a person, okay? 
that person can be a, an obstacle, right? You know what I'm talking about? Well, the Lord will give you a word in that moment to encourage you, to strengthen you. And I, I believe I'm releasing you today to start stepping more into that, to, to prophesy to yourself. And that's what David did. He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He encouraged, he prophesied to himself. It's going to be all right. We're going to make it. We can do this. Amen. And that, that, that prophecy will do that. It will encourage you. It's not just, thus saith the Lord, go to China. <laughs> all right? Forget about that stuff. We're talking about the simple gift of prophecy to speak unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Amen? Right now, I feel like we're supposed to lift our hands and thank the Lord right now. Bless the Lord. Bless you, 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 Lord. I praise you and I thank you, Lord. I worship you and I thank you. I praise you and I bless you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for those rivers of living water, that, that prayer language you've given to us, Father God. Rivers of water, rivers of water. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Many, saith the Lord, many have yielded themselves to fear, to discouragement, and yes, even to the voice of the enemy. But know this, I have a voice, saith the Lord, and my voice is more powerful than the voice of the adversary. And I live on the inside of you, and I live in your spirit. For the well of salvation, yes, is in your spirit, and that's where I live. And as you practice yielding yourself to me, yielding your tongue to me, and praying in the language that I've given unto you, then I will surely bring on the wave of praying in the spirit. I will bring you the interpretation. I will bring you a prophecy. I will bring you a word that will encourage you, strengthen you, and lift you up. So begin to open your mouth and begin to declare what I've said. Begin to decree what I've already said and begin to speak in that heavenly language that I've given unto you. And as you're yielding yourself to that in the rivers, you will go from being ankle deep to knee deep to waist deep. Yes, even, yea, even in waters that are waters to swim in. For you see, there's no nothing that is impossible with me, saith the Lord. The very things that you face and the very obstacles that you are enduring right now are nothing in comparison to the mighty river of God that lives on the inside of you. So as you yield yourself to me, you will find times of refreshing. For I've said in my word that times of refreshing come from my presence, saith the Lord. Not just time, but times. And as you yield yourself to me and yield your tongue to me, oh, you can be sure that I am faithful. I, the faithful one, will rise up on the inside of you and speak through your voice and speak to your mind and release you from the fear and release you from the bondage and, yes, cause you to walk on a high place, a place of peace, a place of safety, a place of refuge. That's where I am. 
And that's where you will be as well. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 All right. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Listen not. Listen not. Pay no attention to the voice of discouragement. Cast it aside. Stand on top of it, saith the Lord. For you see, I never come with a discouraging word. I never come with bad news. I have no good bad news to bring. For my word, my gospel is good news. And when I speak to you, I'm bringing good news to you. Let not your heart be saddened. Let not your heart be afraid. And let not your heart be troubled as I've said in my word. And so I say unto you today, cast aside those things. Lay aside those discouraging thoughts. For I have good plans for you. I have great plans for you. And as you walk with me, you'll walk on a continual basis under the spirit of encouragement. For that's my spirit. And that's my plan, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now see, it's just as... I had no idea what I was going to say. I really didn't. I did not preconceive that. I didn't think about it. But I felt compelled at that point to speak out in tongues. Okay? To pray in the Spirit. And then as we were doing that, here comes the interpretation of what the Spirit was saying. Okay? Now, as I released that, see how that brought edification, exhortation, and comfort? Now, that's just as supernatural as if Jesus Christ appeared to us in the flesh. It's just as supernatural. It may not be spectacular, excuse me, but it's supernatural. Okay? So, as I release you today, man, start in your own house, in your own prayer time, in your car, wherever you're at. Begin to yield yourself more to that, Okay? And you, you, won't, you won't have to be talked out of discouragement as often. Amen. You know, the devil's a discourager, isn't he? I delight in stepping on top of him. He's always found things up. You know, he's bad news every which way you look at it, you know. But uh, there's a God, there's a Holy Ghost, and he lives on the inside of us. Praise the Lord. And I'm out of time here this morning, so let's just stand up and thank him. Praise the Lord. We dismiss. Father, we praise this day. Thank you, the Comforter's going with us. The greater one is in us. The greater one, if God be for us, who can be against us? And we thank you, Lord, I release us now into this week, Lord. Thank you for leading and guiding and directing us in green pastures. In Jesus' name, amen.